and welcome back to another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. I am Abby Mickey, and I am joined by Lauren Rowney. Lauren, hello. Good evening. Goeienacht. Goeienavond. <laughs> From Belgium. And Amy Jones. <laughs> hello. Aop, as we say around these parts, actually. <laughs> Just to make it regional to me, too. <laughs> we are going to talk about the EF TIBCO Silicon Valley Bank women's team that happened since we last recorded uh the leaked roster for that team because they haven't actually announced anything but we know who will be riding for them uh amy wrote a pretty important story and we're gonna dive into some cyclocross because there was a very exciting race over the weekend before we get to that this episode is brought to you by zwift when you're strapped for time but you still want to get a quality workout in zwift has your back from pre-built-in workouts to just spinning around for an hour or so, the time you spend on Zwift is time well spent. We don't all have time to get dressed and organize and go out for like a multi-hour ride outside. Between work, kids, and everything that comes up in day-to-day life, finding time to exercise sometimes can't be the priority. But since Zwift is quick and efficient, your fitness doesn't have to get left behind. I know, Lauren, you posted something this week about uh, Ride and Zwift while Harry was taking naps. Yeah, well, this week was interesting because normally Harry's in daycare in the morning, but um, as it turned out, the creche was closed because of COVID and he actually is a great napper. So I jumped at the opportunity um, for his, he has a two hour nap in the morning and I managed to squeeze in a really good session on Zwift, have a shower, put some washing on. So um, yeah, everything you said, Zwift is, is really perfect for particularly the working mom. Yeah, definitely. So check it out. And thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode. All right. Should we talk about the EF Tibco Silicon Valley Valley Bank women's team? Because since we last recorded a uh, show with the three of us, EF has joined the women's world tour, kind of. Their license obviously isn't secure yet they still are just in the application phase but we'll find out any day now whether or not that is uh, a sure thing but yeah they've uh joined forces with tibco silicon valley bank the american team that's been around for the last 17 years to create another team that is really putting their money where their mouth is uh another team that's paying the women the men's minimum salary so Pretty exciting news from from that side. And uh, I chatted with Linda Jackson about how it came about and kind of her thought going into it. Um, so we'll hear uh, hear from her shortly. But yeah, how do you guys feel about this? It makes sense. And I, it makes sense, the merging. Like, I didn't see it coming, to be honest. And I thought we would have heard whispers of it or something because I think we've been speaking about EF education for some years and whether they they would do a women's team because they have said previously that they would um it makes the most sense for them to just put their money into something that exists rather than trying to start something from scratch it's always easier that way um I'm curious to see how it works having the two teams merged together because as we know we're going to hear from linda jackson she she's been with tipco from the very start and is very involved in the workings of that team so between her and 
um, the owner of EF Education, Waters, it will be um, an interesting partnership, I would say. I think it's great that they're going to pay the women um, the same amount as the men. We're seeing that across a few teams now. Uh, and I guess we'll get stuck into the roster in a little bit. But for me, it was, yeah, an interesting partnership in a sense, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, American company, it's an American team. It's like one of the only Amer- top American teams left. I mean, there used to be a ton, and now it's pretty much just Rally and Tibco, um, both of which are trying to go world team. I hate that. I hate that it's you got you know that it's like world tour is the racing, but world <laughs> team is the status of the team. And whenever you're writing a story or something about it, you write like the world team and then you want to write team. It's like, ah, <laughs> why? <laughs> Who decided on this? <laughs> you but, see, I, I just course. put world tour anyway, usually. Yeah. Like, it just runs with the tongue. Also the way it's like one word with the the T capital like in the middle, like yeah. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it is a natural, uh, an, I think a natural fit having EF um, elevate Tibco Silicon Valley Bank kind of to the next level. Yeah, it's been a really, they kind of gone, they fly under the radar a little bit as a team sometimes, but they have had some really strong riders coming through in the last, like, well, since they started, like most recently, Kristen Faulkner, um, who I guess, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, we might as well go into the roster, I guess. But um, yeah, they've, she's obviously left now and they need to fill her spot as like the most successful rider on the team, I guess, or the most, the strongest. Um, and are we are we actually sure of, of the fact that this leaked roster that has appeared randomly on Procycling Stat? Like it's not... It's not 100%, but I've texted a couple of the girls on the team that I know and they said yes that it that okay. they are um an- anonymous anonymously said yes. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's I mean it, it seems like it is. There's a combination of new riders and riders who have been on the team for a while. Uh Tanya Erath joined the team last year and will continue Veronica Ours, uh Claire Hossinger, she's the cross, um, like the top U.S. cross rider at the moment, and also dabbled in road last year, but she's she's on their roster, which totally makes sense with the Cannondale um, connection throughout the teams. Emily Newsom's also been on Tibco for a bit, and of course Lauren Stevens, who's like the longest running member of Tibco, and basically is is the Tibco. Interestingly, as well, they've got. Um... Because obviously we know the men's EF team run this like alternative calendar with some of their riders, um, and they've got like Tibco's got quite a few on there who race gravel and and cross and I guess already do that. So I guess that also fits with with EF. Yeah, yeah, they definitely they are going to do like an alternative program, and I know like Lauren Stevens really likes the gravel stuff. Um, as far as new riders, they have a couple new riders. They've got Lizzie Banks is arguably their biggest new, one of their biggest. They've got two relatively big new signings, Lizzie Banks being one of them from Saratizit WNT. She barely raced this year uh, and has been having uh, health health or medical issues. I think a concussion maybe sidelined yeah. her for the entire season. Yeah. After um, Strata Bianchi. Yeah. So... 
great to see her on the team. And we don't know what the F is going on with Sarah Tiz at WNT. They've got no new signings for next year, no news about the team at all, and obviously have lost their director um, in Carmen Small. So great. Lost a bunch of riders, right? Yeah, they've Some lost good a riders. ton of riders. I mean, they've lost a bunch to retirement, but then like they've lost Julie Leth is going to Uno X. They've lost, I don't, I have no idea what's going on with Lisa Brenauer. There's been no news from her at all. Um, she might've re-signed, but if she did, they've, there's only like three <laughs> on the roster right now. So kind of still hanging on and see what's going on there. Actually wouldn't be surprised if she went to the, uh, UAE women's team, which has also not been announced. Um, but yeah, Lizzie Banks and Omer Shapira, probably the two biggest signings for the team. Um, we've raved about Omer all year long, um, and her work on Canyon Stram. I'm pretty surprised to see her going to a new team, um, given how valuable she what has been for Kasha. I mean, I know her and Kasha are super close, and I think Kasha's got a good amount of say on the Canyon Stram team, so I'm kind of surprised to see her moving on, but maybe this is her chance to have a little bit more uh, freedom. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe she just wants to be able to go for results herself because she's been a really invaluable workhorse for that team. We've seen her on so many occasions, especially this season, just putting in like huge turns and like huge efforts for for Cassia. So mm. it could be that, yeah. but... And yeah, Lizzie Banks, what a scoop for that team, to be honest. I think she's, if she can come back from that concussion um, in the way that she was head on the trajectory that she was on before, she's going to do incredible things. And then they've got Letizia Borghese, uh, Christabel Double Hickok, and Sarah Poitavin from Rally are coming over from Rally. And uh, Madeline Valer- Valeris, who's from Canada. Canadian so love a Canadian always but yeah that's the potential roster obviously not they've not announced it we don't know but it was leaked and it does seem to be I wouldn't be surprised if this is the roster and if if we just take a quick look at it it's I think the most international roster they've ever had which makes sense if you're going world team yeah, it is it is relatively international compared to they've had like they had um the Katrin Hemis on there, the German writer for a while. They've always had it's always been kind of like US Australia heavy that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess not forgetting they had Sarah Gigante this year too. Yeah, they lost left. yeah, both of their pretty much both of their top top riders with Sarah Gigante mm-hmm. and uh and Faulkner. Actually, really nice to see that Sarah Gigante is kind of um, on the mend. It, I didn't realize that she got so sick after the Olympics, uh, but that totally makes sense why we didn't see her at all. And I mean, she's just such a promising young rider and a friend of the podcast. So really happy to see her kind of on the up and up. And As a very nosy person, I'm desperate to know how on earth that roster got leaked and why only pro-cycling stats knew about it. Who is this person tipping off pro cycling stats? Can they tip me off, please, next? Thank you. Seriously. Like, <laughs> if you're out there, I don't know, because there's no hint about who's on the UAE roster at all. But this, this is like, yeah, like I went on pro cycling stats and I was like, 
hold on, when did they announce the roster? And I'm like scrolling through the Tibco Twitter and all over their website. And there's like no news at all. And I was like, okay, well, somebody leaked the roster and processing stats got it. Because how could they ever have like put this together? They wouldn't have no. ever been able to put this together by just like guessing. No. No. Would have been over a few beers somewhere, I'm sure. Um, I'm not in the right circles, apparently. <laughs> Just slip into their DMs, Amy. Yeah, <laughs> just like send Pro Cycling Stats a message. Be like, hey, guys, so just wondering. We know how <laughs> what the dude who's famously women. receptive to <laughs> women's cycling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not go down that avenue. <laughs> anyway, should we hear from Linda Jackson really quick? So I just wanted to chat a little bit about the new uh setup you're gonna have at tibco silicon valley bank with ef coming on as a co-sponsor the the worst kept secret in the peloton i think i think it might be (laughs) (laughs) i got i got emails from riders in june saying i'd like to join uh ef tibco svb (laughs) (laughs) yeah i did hear about it a while ago but it's uh it makes sense that it's the worst kept secret it's really exciting i mean Tibco, your team has been around for a really long time. And um, for a while, you kind of stepped back into the American scene only before becoming, you know, one of the best teams in Europe now. Uh, So what is what was the process with EF coming on board? So as I grew this team, you know, we started very small in Palo Alto back in 2004. We started racing internationally in 2010 in Europe. And I've gradually been doing more and more racing in Europe. Uh, North America has always been important to me, um, and it will continue to be. And we'll, you know, we'll keep doing stuff here. But I've been doing this for 17 years now. And as I looked at where the sport was going, it's pretty exciting what's happening with the World Tour. Um, and I got kind of wrapped up in that vision. And then I realized that I can't just be a North American team anymore. You know, mm-hmm. been there, done that for a long time. And, you know, I will always be supportive of the North American scene, but I wanted to shoot higher. And, you know, we've had so many riders that we've developed over the years that we've lost to other world, to to bigger teams, to world tour teams. I didn't want to be just that feeder team. I wanted to be able to develop these riders and provide a future for them at the sport. So that meant going bigger and that meant going world tour. And it's really where the future of the sport is. That motivated me to start looking for a partner that could help me get there. Uh, And that's what led to the So first, the conversations with my current partners, Tipco and Silicon Valley Bank, we put out an announcement a while ago that they had, you know, incredibly upped their sponsorship for next year, for the next couple of years, entered into a longer term agreement, you know, substantially increased their sponsorship because they are as motivated for equality as we are. And they really supported the vision of of giving women more and, you know, treating them as real athletes, not just, you know, a continental team kind of salary. So, of course, what are the changes that that are going to happen within the team going from a continental level team to a world tour team next year? The biggest thing, well, there's two big things. Um, Salaries, number one, Um, you know, a big, big um, factor for EF was uh, providing men's minimum salaries for the team. Um, and so for all of our riders that are, you know, hundred percent road focused, they'll be getting the world's tour men's minimum world tour salary. That's so much more than, than what our riders currently get. 
And, you know, from when I raced, what that does is enable these women to focus on their sport full time. I mean, how many, how many, you probably had to hold down a job and race at the same time, right? How can you be one of the best, one of the best in the world where you have to work and try to be a top international athlete? Zoe, <laughs> she's going to melt down. I know it. Stop. So, sorry, one of my dog, my dog has a toy that the other one wants. So, yeah, so the biggest change will be salary for the riders, but more mm -hmm. importantly, I think for the women is the infrastructure, you know, having not just the buses and all that stuff. To me, that's all still, you know, maybe not 100% necessary, but the physician, the high performance director, you know, two full-time Swannies, two full-time mechanics, we, my poor staff, Rachel and Adrian, they must've been on the road 250 days this year. You know, I swear yeah. to God, you know, so having more staff, having a better program, like having more communication with the riders, more oversight of their programs, more lining up the riders with the calendar, with their, you know, their coaches, all of that extra communication and infrastructure and staff is really a huge difference, you know, in what yeah. we can provide our riders with. Especially with the, the calendar growing so much this next year, because if you think that Rachel and Adrian were stretched in this year, I mean, yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And um, we're going to make a conscious decision next year to, well, number one, we'll have more staff. So, you know, we won't have to, on the staff side, it's going to be easier for the staff, mm -hmm. but we're going to make a conscious decision on the, on the calendar side to focus on races that are, that are appropriate for the team, you know, so yeah. we probably won't do the whole world tour calendar and neither do we have to right now, uh, but rather pick and choose where we can make an impact where it's good for our riders to grow that kind of thing. Um, you know, I looked at the calendar this year and by Drentha, the last race of the year, we had, you know, teams are pulling out and we had three riders that could start. Mm -hmm. um, and you need four. So we had to send a four just to start on the line. I think if I had that decision to do all over again, I just would have pulled the team from the race because it was just too much. By that time, they were just, you know, injuries and illness. And yeah, it was too much. It was too long. So we're going to have to pick and choose a little bit. Going into your first year in the world tour or as a world tour team, do you already have goals or are you kind of going in with a, we'll see how this goes, no pressure kind of mindset? So I think we're pretty realistic about our, our racing objectives this year. I, we, you know, mostly by design, but also by the fact that we were a continental team trying to hire as a world tour team. Um, we, we, we don't, and we don't want to pick up the superstars. So what we focused on was picking up good talent that we can develop into those superstars. And that's been my, my game plan from day one, right. Is, is really finding that underdeveloped talent bringing them on and develop them into the next generation of talent. So, you know, will we be a top five world tour team this year? No, probably not. Is that our goal in the next several years? Yes. So we want to take it step by step. Uh, we don't have any illusions of, you know, being a major player this year, but we're going to have, you know, major talent on the team that's going to develop into those major players. And that's really our goal is to help these women develop into the next round of top international contenders. So you'll see some results from us. Um, you know, will we be on the top step of the podium? Mm, I don't know. I hope so. But that's really not the goal for this year. I, I see us growing into that in several years. Well, I wrote an article this week about the top six uh, breakthrough riders of the season, one of which I thought was uh, Kristen Faulkner. And one of the things I said in the article was, I don't know where Tibco found Kristen Faulkner. <laughs> 
um, but she was incredible this year. I know she's not on the team next year, but she is kind of a one of the riders you can point to and say, we found this talent and it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And we have some more of those in, in coming for sure with Kristen, you know, I, I hope to be, I hope that doesn't happen to us again. I feel that we, you know, we will now be able to provide the program she needs going forward. We're just mm-hmm. a little too late. She just rose through the ranks so quickly. She's a phenomenal, oh, yeah. she's a phenomenal talent. Um, I found her through a friend of mine in the Bay area who um, knew her power numbers and said, Linda, you have to hire this girl. And I looked, <laughs> I got in touch with her and I took him at his word for the power numbers. And she was green as green can be. And I hired her. I'm like, this woman's going to be amazing. She's, mm-hmm. wow. You, you're going to see some amazing things from her for sure. Yeah, she's telling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she got you guys a world tour win in 2021. So yeah. Yeah, she, so this, <laughs> she goes over to Europe her first time ever and wins a stage at Ardèche right away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, who does that? Who does that? You know, she defies, you don't say no to Kristen Faulkner. You don't mm-hmm. say you're not ready. She does, she challenges any of those conventional wisdoms um, and she just goes for it. She's, she's amazing. So since you've been around the Peloton for so long and seen it go through so many phases, I kind of have a two-part question. What are the biggest changes you've seen since you started TIBCO 17 years ago and now and kind of going into this new phase, what I like to call like a post-Tour de France femme women's cycling world? I guess the really the biggest change I've seen is the depth of the peloton. Um, and, and that's also the biggest change, but it's also the biggest weakness in a sense. Um, and what I mean by that is, well, if you look at the back and I was doing some research earlier, if you look at the composition of UCI registered riders back in 2005, um, the ratio of men to women was like 10 to one. Now in 2020 or 2021, it's five to one. So women have doubled as a percentage of the total UCI registered riders, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But there's still a fraction of the men's peloton. So the depth of the peloton has increased substantially. I mean, the races, the racing is much harder, I think, that I hate to admit than it used to be. Um, <laughs> um, but also, you know, I think for the Women's World Tour, the, the depth still isn't there. Like when we were looking for riders this year, if you take 15 World Tour teams and say an average of, I can't do that, let's say 15 riders a team, it's not that high. That's 225 riders, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You go down the ranks of the UCI World Tour rank, there aren't 225 super talented women. So it's come a long ways, but I think it has a long ways to go still. Um, But you're seeing, you know, established teams with money come in, which I don't think you saw before. Like you didn't have the Trek Segafredo teams of the world, these big established teams with lots of money. Um, And so you are seeing money come into the sport. You're seeing the infrastructure and the support for those women along with it. And, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's super for the women. That's what they need is all that support. Right. So I think that's the biggest change I've seen. So did the Tour de France Femme have anything to do with your decision to go world tour next year with that coming onto the calendar? Yes, absolutely. We definitely wanted to be part of that. There's no question. I think that's, I think it's a monumental year for women's cycling. I think it's um, pivotal. I think the, what happens with the Tour de France Femme will really dictate how, how, how successful this growth in the women's sport is. 
I think that you're seeing, if you look at the last couple of years, of, as I was talking about registered riders, women registered riders, they've grown phenomenally since 2020 and 2021. And I think mm-hmm. what you're seeing is these races come aboard and people hear about the Paris-Roubaix. They hear about all these races that are getting added. Now they hear about the Women's Tour de France. I think that's going to drive growth at the bottom of the pyramid. I think you're going to get many more women coming into the sport. And then, of course, there's going to be that rise up effect to the top. So, yes, we absolutely want to be part of the first tour fronts. And, of course, the first 30 years. Yeah. And uh, and we kind of have talked about this on the podcast and also like within cycling tips that it's it might not be the first ever women's tour de France, but it's the first ever women's tour de France that people will be able to watch live, which makes a huge difference and has obviously been pivotal in the sport of women's cycling in the last three years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've gone from, since I've been doing this, well, since I've been doing this, there was no, you know, streaming of women's cycling. There was nothing on women's races, right? There was no TV, there was no streaming. Then social media came along, then we had streaming and it was, has been very frustrating (laughs) to try and watch racing streaming, right? I mean, it's not great, a lot of it. And now we're finally getting the live TV. This is what we've been saying for years. It's like women need the live TV. Get that live TV. You're going to generate the interest because it's exciting racing. It's really exciting racing. So, yes, it's the live TV part is huge. Huge. So back to the team, can you tell me uh, how long EF has kind of come on board for? So our initial license, right, will be for two years. So that's the initial uh, structure of the contract. But I assume and hope, hope it'll be much longer. But we structured it to partner with the length of the first contract, the license for the UC, for the World Tour. Um, will they also kind of, because they have their men's team, and I know the teams aren't connected, It's EF is sponsoring TIBCO Silicon Valley Bank, but it's not like the men's team and your team are connected in, in any way. Are you still going to kind of use them as a resource in any way, kind of moving into this bigger pool? Uh, Not really. So there's no shared infrastructure. Um, I will say that their staff in Europe um, have been super helpful to me in navigating the registration and that kind of stuff. And they're only a phone call away. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they've had a ton of experience and they've been super, super helpful. But in terms of the men's team and our team, they are completely different. What we share is a is a title sponsor. So EF is a co-title sponsor with Tipco and Silicon Valley Bank. But that's really the extent of it. Are we going to see any pink on the kids next year? I would say there's probably a good chance of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what the team does next year. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Abby. Nice to talk to you. All right, so moving on. Amy wrote a story this week about a refugee from Afghanistan who has found herself in the United States and will be riding for the team 2024 next year, which is uh, famously the team co-owned by Kristen Armstrong, three-time Olympic gold medalist, um, run by Nicola Cranmer, and is kind of, they churn out Olympic uh, hopefuls and are also one of the top development teams in the U.S. So, Amy, would you like to talk about your story a little bit? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I wrote it, but that's, by the by, like, the story that, like, Rooksar's story is just, I think I wrote, 
on Twitter, it's like equal parts devastating and inspiring because it's this awful situation that she's found herself in where she's spent years and years building up women's uh, right to ride bikes and or well she's not single-handedly done done that but she set up the first um women's only cycling club in afghanistan like she her dream was to have like more women on bikes in the country which has obviously been a really slow process in terms of building up the acceptability of that in the culture and now obviously with the taliban um it's completely it's gone back to square one and women aren't allowed to do most things let alone ride bikes which i think everyone probably knows by now but she was very vocal um and very her pro- she had a high profile in terms of being somebody who advocated for women's rights and and um encouraged women in, into cycling so as soon as the taliban um took over she knew that she was in danger and had to leave the country so she's left her home she's left her family she doesn't know when she'll see them again um and via various different other places she's ended up now in the states um and her dream is to compete in the olympics uh to show um that afghan women can can do that um so i won't uh, yeah i'm not going to go through the whole thing because she says it in her own words much better than i can um so yeah read her her own words on that but yeah it's just incredible that she's got this resilience where like you know she's been through something that like I think most people would be in bits about like and she's pulled herself together and she's still got this dream of going to the Olympics she's still trying to you know do whatever she can to advocate for women and and she wants to continue studying she's studying um she was a dentist or she was studying to be a dentist and um, she's just really strong, really inspiring and just really just an incredible person. Um, and yeah, when I first spoke to her, the team wasn't um, it wasn't like I don't think she knew about it yet or she was in the process of arranging it with Nicola. And then um, about a week later, I spoke to Nicola as well and, and she was just sort of talking about how um she because she knew books are from or she'd spoken to her before because they were trying to get i'm explaining the story now and i'm just going through it no read it because i i'm gonna babble on for ages but um yeah it's an important story um just in terms of you know kind of understanding the lengths that people go to for their rights and and to to do the sport they love um and just hearing about her like I mean yeah it puts everything into perspective you know like it makes you realize like how much sport means to people um so yeah go read her story I'll uh I'll put it in the show notes for anyone who wants to read it and it's um this is a topic that we've kind of been covering for a while and cycling tips continues to uh keep tabs on i don't know if you guys saw ian trelore's incredible work of journalism on the site last week holy crap i mean that guy is just amazing (laughs) yeah his goals mate to be honest seriously (laughs) but but yeah it's uh this is one of the happier ending stories coming out of Mm -hmm. everything and um 
I think it, yeah, it does put, it does put a lot into perspective, but it also kind of, I remember last year when we were making this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic and Lauren and I, we talked about the, um, like how important is sport when all of this is going on, like in the bigger picture in the grand scheme of things, like what, what is sports anyway? And it actually turns out that it's, it's pretty important, (laughs) um, in terms of, yeah, something that brings people together, something that is, um, like a universal, uh, cycling in particular is kind of, I think a richer person sport, but, it's definitely getting to the point where there are more people getting on bikes and discovering the love of bikes and coming together, um, because of the freedom that bikes can give you. And yeah, that kind of doesn't, when it comes to racing, that's a completely different thing, but riding bikes is something that, um, we definitely did discover in the pandemic that it's, it's a hugely important aspect of living. Yeah. I guess this is where the the, the term is coined, the power, the power of the bike. And I think we've discussed before, we've had this discussion about the Olympics and what it really means, and that's exactly it, what it means to people like this um, and this opportunity. Um, it's a platform to, to show the world, like you were saying, Amy, what women, particularly a woman from Afghanistan, is capable of. Um, and just bringing people together and putting things in perspective. So, yeah, everyone should read yeah. uh, Amy's blog and also Ian's. Yeah, I think I was going to say, I think both should be read to get out. If you read one, like make sure to read the other because the context is important as well. Because as much as like, yeah, Brooksell's story has a happy ending, there's a lot more people still there whose stories, well you don't know how it's going to end yet and they haven't you know been able to um get to safety um for various reasons so Ian's story is is as important yep should we move on to the cyclocross world cup over the weekend um pretty yeah change yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how to transition from like no, a very important hard. topic to like are <laughs> arguably a, lo- a much less important topic, but is but still. We we're just talking about how, you know, yeah. I mean, it's important no less. Important to sport. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Exactly. So I'm going to hand the reins over to Lauren for this one, because as our resident cyclocross expert. Yeah, I think you'll <laughs> you're more well placed to kind of walk us through it. I love that you called me a cyclocross expert because now I live in Belgium, right? Of it's because you live in Belgium. That's that's yeah. the only re- you you live in Belgium. It's sort Therefore. of a, it, like it's in the blood here, I suppose. Even if you don't ride a bike, you watch cyclocross on Sunday and eat tarts with your family or drink oh, it's beer. Like one of the two. Football in the US. Like, yeah, pretty much. And football in the UK, not yeah, not sorry. the same football. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of. Um, cyclocross it's generally the women's race that most people i speak to 
um, and this is like my father-in-law, they're more interested in the results and watching that race because they're finding it's the competition is is really tight. And we saw that um, on Sunday in Tabor in Czech Republic. Like it was an incredibly exciting race and um, just the young talent that's coming through at the moment. We've got some of the, the road cyclocross riders crossing over. The time gaps, if you look at the finish, it was all really close. Um, for me, it was nice to see Celine Alvarado um, back up there because she hasn't really been that present. Um, you know, winning the world championships two seasons ago was a huge highlight. She dominated that season. And then Lucinda Brand has obviously just stepped it up the past season and a half. And so um, I really thought from that race that maybe Puck Peterson might take the win. She was incredible. She was the only rider to bunny hop the the barriers every single lap. And oh you could God, see every that. Every time I stopped breathing, I was like, Ooh. She just <laughs> did it with utter confidence. It was just beautiful. It was absolute mastery. I think more women can do it, but it's just more of a confidence thing. Um, mm. And she's obviously a very young rider, very talented, very skillful. Um, and then, of course, Lucinda Brand took the win in the end, but I just think it was an incredible display of athleticism from such a young rider um, on that day. She was my rider of the day. Yeah, for sure. I was, it was, I was just thinking like it was a shame that because every time she bunny hopped the barriers, she'd get a gap mm-hmm. and then Lucinda Brand would just like claw her way back. And it's clear that like she had the skill, but maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily the strength just yet to pull that off and I think she attacked I think with three to go or in the third yeah whatever like maybe a lap too early um she put in like a really big attack um but yeah regardless as well yeah 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 Yeah. but this Um, is the thing about Lucinda is she she's technically good but I wouldn't say she's the very best, but she's just so strong. You could see it um, from the gun on the opening lap. She just puts the hammer down and she's got incredible power. I don't think there's actually a rider that can really match her power at the moment. I was impressed with how Lucinda kind of gambled when Puck did put down that attack or she had a gap. And... Lucinda brought it back every other time, but that particular time, Lucinda was second to last in the line. She was kind of back with Sharon Van Enroy um, at the back and left it to other people to to bring back. And so when Denise Betsima brought it back, Lucinda Brand was fresh for the final lap when she made her attack. She like banked on the rest of the people in that group, which there were some pretty huge names in that group at the front of the race. She banked on them bringing Puck back. And then when they did, that was when she made her move and her race winning move. So I was kind of impressed with her. Um, not, I guess like willingness to lose. Cause it could have been that she was the strongest person in that group. And if Betsima hadn't brought Puck back, then Puck would have won the race. Yep. But also, the race was freaking fast. The, like, their average lap times were insanely fast. Like, this is... I, I'm i not, like, a cross expert, but I'm pretty sure that most courses aren't that fast. 
I was thinking that when I saw the the end time of the race and then compared it to the men, actually. Um, yeah, it was a really fast race, but that that just speaks to the depth of the field now. Um, there are so many riders. Okay, Lissinger is winning a lot, but still there are so many riders that can win um, a cross race now. It's not like years and years before where it was uh, Marion Voss dominating the whole field, right? Um, there's just... Yeah, it's like in the road cycling depth. I just want to see more uh, cross riders cross over um, to the road. Yeah. I mean, we've already talked about um, Blanca Voss and how exciting she is on the road. And she's also obviously incredibly exciting on in cross. Um, and mountain bike. And mountain bike. Celine Del Carmen Alvarado to- did a little bit of road racing this year. With uh, Plantapura? Plantapura have got an, an interesting roster, or they're starting next to have year. an interesting roster for next year. Yeah. Um, trying to think which rider is going to that team. Um, the Irish the, champion, Imogen Costa, yes, is going that's to it. it. Yeah. Mm. She's done a lot of racing in Belgium and the Netherlands the last couple of years and won mm. the Movistar Challenge. Oh, got the contract like the Zwift thing so it'd be interesting to see like how that power and everything translates to to big road races anyway yeah exciting cross race if you uh if you didn't catch it I actually recommend you go back and check it out it's only like 50 minutes of your life yes 50 minutes <laughs> see, Abby you should love it right as yeah as a crit fan or yeah. a circuit race fan you should love cross like yeah. it's I mean, it should, by association or by, like, you know, familiarity, it should make more sense to me, Cross. But I think we were talking before we started recording that I think the reason that I, like, I need to get more into Cross or the way to get more into Cross is to just watch more of it because I don't Mm -hmm. know the players super well. And so I don't know. But watching this one, I was like, man, this Puck Peterson, she is freaking cool like she was so impressive and just relentless and she's 19 19 Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. insane Mm -hmm. and like obviously excited about Blanca Voss and I love Lucinda Brand Batsima I just think is another thing but like yeah (laughs) I, I think I just need to I need to like learn more about the the players and then but that's like that's the that's our whole thing right is that we think that people would be more once people watch women's road cycling, then they'll understand it and get into it. So I, I just need to take my own advice and watch cross and then I'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys just need to come to Belgium and just come watch some cross and drink some beer and stuff. You know, I have. Yeah. Well, after the recording, I've got yeah news on that, but um, the, he was going to say that Lauren's talking about the depth and, this is without some of the other top players that like Voss wasn't there, Evie Richards. Um, I don't actually know if she's going to be racing cross this year. But- is Pauline going to? I mean, I hope Rich- uh, Evie Richards does because I think you know she she's been the under twenty three world champion, I believe. Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, she was, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I love. And she's a current her- cross country world champion as well, so she's yeah, she's she- gutsy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pauline 
Provo. I always say she binned off Provo. She binned off her season early. I don't know what she's up to. Um, but um, Christine Mayoris is coming as well. Yeah, Um, and she's bringing me one of her famous uh, beanies. You get a hat. Oh, sweet. I I bought one. It's going to a good cause, the animal shelter in Luxembourg. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. I love that. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I mean, this is like early. It's still kind of early season cross. Uh, I feel like (laughs) it'll really start picking up. Like the depth of the field will only get deeper in kind of the December, January chunk when Worlds is on the horizon. Yeah, exactly. Although it will be interesting to see who actually comes over to Worlds with it in the U.S. I mean, all your big players will. Yeah. Uh, It will be a question of uh, the road riders, the ones who really want to do, say, very well in Newsblad and such. Maybe they won't do it unless they're on like a cracker of a season. Like, for example, Christine Mayoris, she almost won a medal in the Cross Worlds a few years ago. So if her season goes well, for example, maybe she'll make the trip. Voss, it all depends if she thinks she has a crack at the title. Yeah. Yeah, because we were talking internally in Cycling Tips whether or not um, Van Art will do Cross Worlds with I mean, his, like, Voss is kind of an all-season long rider. I mean, so is Van Aert, kind of, but his his time of the year is really the spring. Um, And Voss could definitely, like, race worlds, come back, and be on fire again for Flanders. I mean, she came straight from Rebay to do the World Cup. different. Mm. We had this, we had this, yeah, I, I read mikey's message about that and i was like yeah but she came from the most important race yeah i guess she was already pinging like the not the not no offense to the world cups and whatever going on in the u.s but like she came from the most important with the second most important race of the season for the women in roubaix to like kind of a handful of fun cross races and in the other way around it's like yeah to her, the cyclocross world probably means a lot, but to Yumbo Visma, the spring classics mean a lot more. Yeah. True. True. But she's vast, so she can probably just be like, guys, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do it if I wanna do it. And she'll and then do fly it. Fly back yeah. and win or podium. <laughs> anyway. Voss is boss. That's all we got for today. A little bit of everything for you guys, but thank you so much for listening. And we will be back to talk about more cyclocross. Because why not? And guys, if you're not cross racers, I mean, cross followers, there's Coxader this weekend, the big Sandpit one. It's a lot of fun. Excuse me? This is a big one. This is an important one. This what? Sorry. Coxader. (laughs) Not Coxider. Coxader. No. I'm just going to end it here.